CJ414. On the ones and twos. He's got two turntables and a microphone. Yo. DJ Unkfew. DJ Unkfew. Few, few, few. Few, few, few. I can hear the people clicking off one by one. That's the that's how that's how I know I'm in the club, man. If I hear that fake air horn. Ladies to the front, DJ Paulie D. <laughs> well, you're coming in hot today, my friend. So let's just let's just get right to it. So you were starting to say that you've discovered that you're not good at blocking things out, or or what way would you? Uh, my my mental health is taking a real hit. I think that for some reason, I don't even. I I just for some reason it felt like didn't accept that until this past week you didn't accept like it almost what that the world is messed up and it's just a depressing time right mm. now you've and, been sort of convincing yourself otherwise to that point well i don't think i really thought about it it's almost like how you can feel ill you can be sick and then, then one day you realize oh shit i'm actually really i don't feel good right like you can just be operating under the misapprehension that like you're just continuing to do the things that you do and planning your life in the way that you plan it. And then suddenly you're like, oh, shit, I might have pneumonia or something. That right. That's like the thing that happened to me this past week. And I kind of wanted to talk about it because, one, I think you are pretty good at blocking stuff out. And then, two, I think I made some decisions that I kind of want to talk with you about on this podcast a little bit. Because I don't want to think it might be interesting and germane to our audience. I mean, we're all going through the same thing. so I like it. The uh, Let me tell you how I realized this and then what I ended up doing that kind of clicked in my head. I mean, my life has ma- sh- shifted massively. I mean, my relationship is having trouble. On top of that, it's like I released this book, which was a ton of work and is doing pretty well. Then obviously the forward, the guy who wrote the forward for the book and my mentor, James Altucher, which is super attacked public. We've talked about that on the podcast. That has been a, right. a, a huge amount of work. And it actually has not been very stressful for me because obviously like nobody's coming after me. Right. But it's just been a huge additional amount of like I've been on phone calls. I've been on all kinds of different things, mostly with him and with my you know, co-writer Bill Batiste. Bill Batiste the third. Bill Batiste the third. DJ Bill Batiste the third. So where I'm going with this, though, is that there's just been a lot happening. Obviously, I'm two ex refugee left New York for the same reasons James wrote about in the article, left Chicago because of civil unrest. Then now I'm in Michigan again. Now this time is kind of due to relationship problems. Also, potentially, you could say a little bit civil unrest because shit was insane with the looting that was going on in the city of Chicago. A little bit country, a little bit civil unrest. (laughs) This is great. This is actually adding a a necessary amount of levity to the mental health that I, I needed. The otherwise tragic situation that you're about to describe. The shit has been weighing on me. Don't really know what I'm gonna do uh, in the next like few months because I'm I'm basically moving out of the apartment that I was living in with Gloria. Mm-hmm. She uh, wants some space. I I respect that. I don't really have a lot of shit to move out, but I don't really know what I'm gonna do with it. So a lot of this stuff was kind of closing in, and I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll unrelated to this this state of affairs and my mental health. I thought. You know what? I'm gonna start doing a Bill Bird, Tim Dillon thing and start ranting on my podcast. I I did it when I first started it on the Madness Continues. That's why it had that name. 
And I thought, I'm just going to start doing that again. So I attempted to do that on Monday. Uncle Mike, all I did was scream into my microphone for half an hour about everything from every side of the spectrum. I mean, and I realized about 10 minutes in, I was like, oh, there's no fucking way I can post this. Like, it's just not, nothing's funny about it. Nothing's interesting about it. It was just a 30 minute screed of me attacking liberals for being too fucking sensitive and for making me feel like I have to walk on eggshells around them all the time mm-hmm. to attacking conservatives for all the obvious people. reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and when I say screamed, I mean like I lost my voice. Wow. And I don't know. It's recovered by today. I don't know if you can hear it or not, but I basically lost my voice on Monday yelling into this microphone. And that was the moment where I thought, you know what? I don't think I'm okay. <laughs> well, I think that's probably a logical sequence of thoughts that you had there is that if you're going to spend time screaming to the point where you damage your voice, that's probably a sign that something's not perfect in your life. What actually happened was that, you know, so the next day I talked to some friends about it and he did some more thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I think I've been just like, like oh, You a winner! <laughs> All right. Oh, oh, keep it going now. Now, what? 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 <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I, I apologize. I was. <laughs> DJ Mad Brendan. Just a second. I got it. I got DJ Crazy Face. <laughs> I gotta try something. All right, sorry. <laughs> I, I'm I'm multitasking, and I think I've demonstrated fairly clearly that I can't do that. <laughs> so. This is all over the place, man. Tighten yeah. it up. Anyway, go ahead with your with your nervous breakdown. I'm sorry to be interrupting it. The thing that I'm realizing is I I don't think I've really paid attention to how important to my stability getting on stage and talking. Oh yeah, to strangers for is. sure. Right. <laughs> No, I'm not being facetious. I, I mean, I'm talking about anybody that does that for a living, you know, or, or does it consistently like you do. It's like going to the gym. If you, if you stop yeah. going to the gym, it just drives you crazy. I mean, you, you have an, a need to, to outlet creativity. And once that's taken away from you, I mean, I think that's a huge thing. And I'm being very serious. Yeah. No, so I, I mean, we're on the same page there. I don't think I appreciated how much that was wearing on me. I think the other thing, and this is a big part of it, and this is why I thought it would be relevant to this conversation, is like I am just tired of this atmosphere in the <laughs> I'm I'm really absorbing a lot of everything that's happening in the news from all directions and it's just wearing on me. Like the constant nonstop just just front of news from shit, conservative, liberal, you know, Republican, Democrat. My friends ask me about it. My parents ask me about it. My, you know, any people at work talk about it. Coronavirus news, that's politicized. Like every fucking thing from left to right is just all, it's it's just too much, man. And it is. We've talked about this before, but it's almost like I had to relearn this again this week is like, you just see all that anybody ever posts is like one thing about the news. Like here's a 20 second video or here's like three sentences about what happened. And and zero news articles are attempting to do real investigative analysis over or discussion of what 
that means. Specific example is this. Uh, well, one, I mean, you could say the Jacob Blake thing in Kenosha is one. Oh, and then, absolutely. But two, the, the, the even more nuts one is the one from Rochester that happened like back in March that is now coming back up in the news. Let me just tell you the facts of the story, like the, 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 the bullet points. And if you heard these, you can imagine how someone would react to them. The police suffocated to death a black man on the ground after placing a hood over his head in what? Rochester. Because this happened in late March uh and if you just heard those facts you would be like what the fuck that's that's so fucked up that's clearly wrong okay so here's the rest of the facts turns out this guy's got a lot of mental health problems and he was running around the streets of rochester naked yelling at the top of his lungs that he had coronavirus and that he was demanding the police give him their guns so he could shoot them and when they attempted to try to like subdue the guy, it got really violent. He wrestled back. He fought back. They thought he had coronavirus. They tried to put the bag over his head so that, and it was a cloth bag. It wasn't a, it wasn't like a plastic bag. You know, he fought back the whole time. Fought back when he was on the ground. I mean, he was clearly mentally ill. It's a tragedy that this happened. The point of me bringing this up wasn't to go down the rabbit hole of even talking about that incident. It was just that. You know, one of the things we talk about here on a lot on the podcast is just that the media is like biased in one way or another. But it's like you read those facts and you're like the incident you get in your mind versus the one that actually happened when you start looking into it are like night, night and day. They're completely different. They're completely different things. And I would say arguably Kenosha is the same way on many, many levels. I agree. And I, I'm using the Rochester one only because I think someone could reasonably disagree that the Kenosha one is not quite as black and white, although I think it is trending in that direction. But the Rochester one is undoubtedly – it's like, look, if you don't agree that this was – you know, there, there's maybe a reasonable argument to be made about police reform somewhere in there. But if you disagree, if you think this is like a racially motivated incident, you just don't understand the facts. That's my summary of the Rochester incident about this. The point that I'm making here isn't to talk about either of those incidents. It's to talk about my continuous digestion of this shit is like, I just can't, I don't think I can take it anymore, man. Like, I just can't, I don't, it's like, I can't do anything about it. There is no place for me to put it. People get pissed at you if you don't have the right opinion or you don't talk about that opinion publicly. And... And and this is all occurring in a situation in which the people who are angry at you one way or another for having any opinion on this also don't understand the facts. Like right. there's just no – it's like literally the craziest, worst environment in which to have any kind of public conversation. And I think I'm pretty much done with it. I think I've basically – this week I think I decided I'm not commenting on these anymore because I really don't have anything to say and I don't think I have a voice to add to any of this. And I'm not an expert anyway, so I should probably just leave this to the people in the communities in which this has occurred and not try to fucking politicize this in some insane way. I think I'm make, checking out of a lot of this stuff. That's what I'm saying. Well, I, I think that's a reasonable position for you to take because basically, you know, we've covered so many of these topics in the past. For example, our most popular podcast of all time was the one called RIP Journalism. Yeah. And, you know, how journalism, this is, and, and you know, for a listener, we did that in 2016, so we did it four years ago. And in four years ago, the idea of the media being blatantly biased was 
I don't want to say it was a new concept. It wasn't new, but it was certainly newer. Now, yep. Now I think 80% of thinking adults, uh, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, I believe, believe that the media is biased. The people who are liberal think that everything that Fox News puts out is, you know, is biased and garbage. And the people who are conservative think all the other outlets, for the most part, are the same. And so there's yep. that factor. And then there's the factor that I think you were focused more in on there, or as much in on. There was a time, honestly, it wasn't that long ago, but it feels like forever ago, when people really cared about being correct, like actually factually correct. And they cared about facts. Well, and I think also, let's add to this this to the point. Not only did they care about being factually correct and cared about facts, they did not have this weird hubris that all sides of the con- – people yes. – this is endemic to everybody yep. now. And it's it's not – no side has a monopoly on it. I'm affected by it as much as anybody else is. But that everybody believes they know best. They know better. I know better than you do. And here's a tra- tragedy of this, Uncle Mike, is that like I feel like I have – I'm like – I'm like a man without a country in the sense that like I – you know, I'm in that we're in that conservative group. I feel like I have argued with people ad nauseum in that group. People come after me and comments and things, uh, which, you know, just for expressing what they see as differing opinions or misinformed opinions or whatever. And and then I should say, just to be completely forthright about this for shit that I've said in the past on that group that has been genuinely mean to those people. And like a couple of people came at me recently for that. And were like, dude, you they just quoted back to me things I'd posted. And I was like, you, you're right. I own it. It was wrong of me to do that. I apologize. I think that we're all, all of our hands are dirty in this regard. You know what I mean? Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. We say that every episode. And anyway, the point that I'm making here is that it's like, I'm in that group and I get attacked for being, you know, having liberal positions. And then like, but, <laughs> but in general, the rest of my life is filled with liberals attacking me for hold, not holding a liberal enough opinion. What, about it, a lot of this stuff. Well, that's really interesting, and I, I got a bunch of stuff to say in response to it. One is that I'm looking at my notes from our last podcast. And I probably I, said, what, the same thing? No, no, no. I had written about you, man without a country. And I just think it's- Did it, you really? I swear wow. to God. I could, I could take a picture of it and send it to you right now, because in the context there was, you were talking about, you're in Manistee, you don't want to go back to New York City, you don't want to go back to Chicago, blah, blah, blah. So- I wrote that down just because it, you know that was that just fit. Secondly, is as it relates to the specific things you were just saying, and I've been meaning to tell you this, is that I think particularly for your age, and I don't mean to suggest you're like a kid, but there's a big difference, at least there was in my life, between how I would have engaged with people publicly when I was your age versus mm-hmm. how I do it now. You know, because I'm almost twice your age. Yep. Uh, so, and I still probably am would be viewed by most people as extreme. You know, I think I'm kind of an extremist. Um, mm-hmm. But still, on a relative basis, I'm nowhere near as crazy as I would have been at your age. And mm-hmm. I think you're, for your age, one of the most measured and um, respectful and courteous. And you come at people, you, you don't attack, you're, you're thoughtful. And even at your most aggressive, you're not a dick. Yeah, so, I appreciate you saying that. No, because I'm I'm telling you because I because I, I I hope you do appreciate it because, you know, you and I don't agree politically. So if anything, I'm my my natural bias would be to not want to think that of you. 
Yeah. But I do think that of you. And it's interesting, too, because I feel the same way about Bill Batit. You know, we, we seem to mention him on every show. He and I had, you know, he posted. He's, he's, he's a pretty difficult guy to not <laughs> not have involved in, in conversations like this, even right. even by via proxy. <laughs> right, but it's funny because you know he's posted a couple times in that group, and the group we're talking about is called the group who hates groups, and it was founded <laughs> by a friend that of mine. Hates other groups. <laughs> it's founded by a friend of mine, one of my best friends, uh, probably my best friend from one of my best friends from college, Tracy Lorenz, who Brendan happens to know from a trip that we took together to the Final Four in 2015. But in any event, that group is dominated by conservative views, and I would even call more extreme conservative views. And uh, so Brendan's in there and, and his friend Bill Batit as well. And so you both conduct yourselves in a very admirable fashion. So I just want to say that just for the record because, you know. I, I actually really do appreciate that because I feel like part of what is so frustrating to me about this in general is that and that, again, this is from both sides, man, is that if I express something, it almost feels like the default position that is taken by people on the Internet writ large tends to be, oh, sweetie, how do you, can you, I can't believe, you know, okay, look, little miss, ignorant girl, let, let me let me tell you how the world really works here. Right. And there's something about that position where I think that is so fucking condescending. Oh, it is to the think that I can't have a reasonable disagreement with and, and, and that and that phrasing of that is pretty accurate to every side of this. Like that's that's the way it's almost like this weird maternal or paternal like you don't right. know shit about blank what you're talking about. Let me really educate you here. And then the frustrating, and, th and again, this happens on all sides. There, there is, and take it from somebody who gets the. I mean, like, I truly get this from both sides. Is that both sides do this this part that's really frustrating, which is I go, here are my sources, and then I link like articles where I'm like, the police found a knife in the car, and they this guy had witnesses say he was fighting with the police, or um, right. here's information on. I don't know, whatever, climate change or whatever the fucking argument happens to be. And you can imagine which side each of those is taking place with. Right. And I'll list that stuff. And then the person who I'm talking with will go, uh, well, you're just wrong. Right. And then I'll go, well, OK, well, go ahead and post your what are your sources? Go ahead. I can't you know, I can't have I can't engage with an argument that you're not making. And then they'll go, well, you just have to go educate yourself. And yep. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, that shit is right. so oh, yeah, frustrating to me right, on both sides of this. Well, you just don't, you just, you're just, you're just too ignorant is the problem. You're like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, yeah, sorry, so, sorry to rant on this. I feel well, that's like it's okay. been a particularly rough two weeks for this. And, and, and part, part of it, I think, is my involvement in the James New York conversation because that's become a liberal uh, fetish is like major cities are not failing. It's ridiculous that blah, blah, blah. And you're like, well, actually the facts show that New York, New York city is actually in a pretty dire straits right now. Like our, our, our polit politics as usual is not fit to solve the problems. This occasion has delivered to us. So uh -huh. some things got to budge, you know? Right. And I think that, you know, sort of summarizing everything you just said there, and continuing with what we the, what we were talking about just before you said all that you just said there, these are this is just the times in which we live. And I blame, you know, I blame all kinds of things. I blame uh, social media because it's given everybody a voice. And you know, that's on one hand, that's fantastic. On the other hand, I think it could be the 
the lubricant that greases the 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 rails for the destruction of our culture. Well, our culture's already <clears throat> destroyed. Let's well, let's let's not it's on the verge. I, I've come I've to, I've come to the conclusion that this is it's it's already all of the damage need to be done to sink the ship has already been done. Well, you could be right about that and that is terrifying. But there's a podcast that I listened to or a video that I watched, I should say, and I'm 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 embarrassed to tell you that I don't recall anything about it other than what was said. It was a it was a woman. This woman was very articulate, very thoughtful, very intelligent, and she is a former um, liberal and who's no longer a liberal. And she she doesn't refer to herself as a conservative. The point I'm making is that she made this point. So I don't want I don't want to take credit for what this woman. And I'll find this and I'll include it in a link on the on the blog. But this woman said this, and this really really resonated with me. And she had a term for it. I don't recall what it was. But the gist of it is this. If you're in a riot scenario, there's a certain kind of person who would be the first person to pick up a brick and throw it through a window. Mm-hmm. That person is super rare and mm-hmm. probably paid by George Soros, but let's skip that. But the point <laughs> is, in, in most cases, if you got a crowd of people who are in a kind of a semi-protest riot scenario, most people will not be the first person to throw a brick. Yeah, most, people, okay. most, most people are pretty decent people, <clears throat> but, regardless. But once someone has thrown a brick through a window, the, the increment between that population of people, which is really small, to the next level of people who would think, okay, somebody else has done it, it must be okay. The, mm-hmm. That gap is, let's say, you know, a half as big as the one before it. I'm mm. saying this poorly. You'll, you'll get it in a second. Now, the next group, which would be, okay, now two people have thrown bricks. That gap is infinitely smaller. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So each successive iteration down, it's just that much easier to get the next person to throw a brick. So the point in all this is simply take that concept and apply it to the worst behavior in social media in terms of all mm-hmm. the stuff you just mentioned. I, I I'm shamelessly not going to refer to facts. I'm going to yeah. yell at you because you're a fucking idiot, but I'm not going to defend my position. I'm just going to attack you. And when you come back at me, when you actually conduct yourself reasonably and you come back to me with facts and links and substance to your argument, I'm just going to kick you in the face because yeah. I've seen a whole bunch of other people do this and now that's what I do. And you mm. amplify that on both sides of the fence enough and you get to the place where we are now, which you know, mm. this goes back to you know, again, we things we reference in every podcast. Sam Harris, the whole point of his I just listened to a great podcast from his yesterday about all of this. I was going to send it to. Oh, you. really? Yeah, can, well, I definitely yeah. want to check that out. But you know, I I love the title of that of that podcast or that blog that he did. You know, can we pull back from the brink? And if you recall, we tended to focus in our conversations more in on. The, the facts surrounding police behavior and all that, you know, we've covered that pretty extensively. But, you know, remember, he started talking about, and really his biggest point was the death of discourse. You know, the death mm-hmm. of the ability for us to even have a conversation. You cannot have a conversation. And that's what, that was his biggest point from that podcast was, if we get to the point where we can't have a conversation, we're, we are truly dead. Because there is no progress. And Dave Chappelle made the same point, right? Because I think you talked about it where you've yep. got to be able to have a conversation. If you can't yeah, have, have a, re- 
a reasonable conversation. You have to be able to talk about this. There's yeah. no way forward. And it's frustrating because I think this is exactly what's sort of taking place. And just the, 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 the reason this is so weird to me, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. There's, um, I'm going to jump off into my, off the diving board of philosophy here and talk about all these obscure French philosophers that I've, you know, really enjoy reading. But yeah. like, there's a concept by, I think I might've mentioned this once before already on the pod. There's a concept in simulacrum and simulation. Hyper real. Yeah. Well, there's the, yeah, the hyper real and the concept of virtualization for virtual reality. So the matrix is based on this book. We talked about it before. The book is a philosophy book. It is not, it's a textbook. It's not a story or anything, but the idea basically is that we are living Imagine a world in which that is layered on top of the world we we are we exist in. It it everything that we see and do and touch, it's exactly a perfect representation within this virtual world. Except we don't know that we live in that virtual world. And the the concept that Baudrillard is trying to talk about here, in terms of virtualization and in cybernetics, is that that that's the internet world. That is more real than the real world. And what's so bizarre about this is it's like the the definition of things online become more important than they are in real life. Like I, I this is what hit me when I was thinking about this over this last week, and it's kind of why I have not been very active in that conservative group or any of the liberal groups that I'm in in the last week. To be perfectly honest, is that I I don't really feel like I'm having a real conversation. Like a couple weeks ago, I got into it with a with a handful of people in that group in the conservative group, and um. After what at the middle point was a really pretty dirty series of exchanges between me and those those people, it kind of came out the other side. It almost feels like you have to continuously represent that you're like a real human being to these people. Um, and, and this is true not just in the conservative group, but this is this is true on all sides. But when you're in one of these conversations where it gets very dirty and you, somebody's like, you know what, you're a fucking idiot – you libtard, you know, cuck, conservative, whatever they say. Right. And then you have to like I had to post things like, look, I'm sure that you would not like I, I you know, I can tell from your profile picture you have children. I'm sure you would not like your children being spoken to in that way. So I would just politely ask you to please not speak to me in that way. I've said none of these things to you in response. It's almost like you have to do that before they start going. Okay, sorry. And then they'll what typically happens is they'll message they'll either double down and call you right. really bad names and then yep. disengage entirely. Yep. Or they'll do what two people in the conservative group did in the a couple weeks ago, which is they'll they'll actually move it to, to your DMs and they'll message you directly and then just start talking with you more reasonably because you're now no longer have an audience. Mm-hmm. And which Fair enough. I understand that you don't want to lose face publicly. Part of what's (laughs) deranging this entire situation is that there's always an audience, which is really fucked up. Yeah. And anyway, the point of me bringing this whole thing up is it's like while I was talking with them and then in a similar conversation I had with a liberal friend of mine with with whom I've had a falling out due to that conversation, I became aware of the fact that I'm like, they're not really talk none of the things we're talking about are real to these people like you know like it's not like they were caught up in a protest or there was a riot or their store got looted or they it's like and it's not to say that these things aren't real in in the real world either that's not the point that i'm making it's not like they're virtual entirely that they didn't happen but it's like 
none of this is real to any of these people. And their their feelings about it are so strong. It's almost like if you lose a video game on a certain level, you know, the bad guy you're fighting on the video game, you you start assigning all of these evil qualities to, and you're like, fuck that guy. I'm going to fucking kill him. He's the worst. And you're like, well, that's fine, because that guy, like Dr. Wily in the Me- Mega Man series is, isn't a real person. You know right, what I mean? Right, But, like, there are genuine people out there who are have you know have a beating heart and have a history and have thoughts and feelings and loved ones and they hold differing opinions to you and by proxy you're attaching to them on both sides of the aisle all of this you know symbolic anger and frustration that you want to project onto them because of your own feelings of frustration at and in ineffectiveness at you know the world and your own life and that happens with everybody, and it, that feels like the most completely unhealthy thing to me. It, it just altogether is this idea of I don't know any of these people, and I want to fucking kill them. And like some of the things that were most disgusting to me in just the last couple of weeks with this Kenosha thing, to be honest, is that there is a genuine feeling. And I'm and by the way, I just want to say this before I even get into this, I am. I would be willing to bet my life savings on the fact that this is not just on one side of the conversation. I am sure that it is on the other side of the conversation also, and I'll tell you in a moment why, but um, the people on the right, conservatives who were defending uh, Kyle Rittenhouse had this almost gleeful energy of envy where they were like, I wish I could have been in his position to fucking shoot two of these libtard rioters I hate these people and then and then so not only would I be willing to bet my life savings that that's not endemic to that side I would win that bet because on immediately the next thing that fucking happened is that this whatever Rondengal guy or whatever his name is shot that Trump supporter from uh, Patriot Prayer in in uh, Portland yep and then like and then later died in a gunfight with the police, which I don't know if you had heard about that because I feel like that was a crazy. I like you hardly heard any news about that guy. And then, and then like I had to, I look, I go down like the ground news rabbit hole, and I discover, oh, it turns out that guy actually died. He was self-described Antifa, and then later died in a, sh- a shootout with the police. Now. I'll let you respond to this in a second because I know I've been ranting for a, a, a minute here about this, but it's like. That whole the the level of envy that either people have on the other side and either side of this conversation of this national conversation about those people of like, oh, yeah, like they finally got to discharge these frustrating emotions. That makes me feel sick inside when I experience and none of that. Nobody has said this like nobody has said I wish I could change places with that guy. I wish I could have been him. I wish no, I could have been the one. No, but you can feel it in the emotion of but the But you comments. can feel it. Yeah, I agree yeah, with you that. can feel it talking you. to them. No, I agree with you. And, like, that's the thing that makes me feel the most – I think that, more than anything else, Uncle Mike, is what was wearing on my mental health over this past week is I was just like, dude, I just don't feel like I, – I think the realization I had is this doesn't feel like the country I grew up in. Oh, this no. This doesn't feel like no. the country I thought I was living in. No, and it doesn't feel like the country you not just grew up in. doesn't feel like the country from four months ago. I mean yes. all of this has happened so rapidly that – you know, it's funny because I've got two sort of macro responses to all you said, because my micro responses would probably take 90 minutes, but my macro uh, responses would be twofold. One is, one of the 
smartest things I've ever done was read the book Four Hour Work Week from Tim oh, yeah. Ferriss. With, with Tim Ferriss, yeah. And that that is one of the most inappropriately titled books I've ever read. And it's one of my favorites. I mean, I've read that book. I, I actually have a physical copy here that I could go get right now. I could take a picture of it. And I've worn the cover off the book. It's like the, the jacket is ripped. It's worn. I've got probably, no, no exaggeration, 20 to 30 yellow Post-its sticking out of it with various yeah. notes. Because that book, yes, it does cover uh, ideas and concepts that, that would fall under the general heading of how to work less. But there's so much more to that book. And this point I'm getting to in a very long-winded fashion is one of those main points, which is he calls it the low-information diet, yep. which is you just – and I know we've talked about this multiple times, but for those of you who may not have heard of it, what he means by low-information diet is that he just – you know he, he cut down his consumption of traditional media by you know some massive factor, like you know down to 5 or 10% of what he had been consuming, and his theory is – that if something really earth-shaking happens, which really in the grand scheme is all you should be concerned about, he, he theorizes, and I agree with him, and you'll find out about it, even if you're not trying to. I mean, it'll be everywhere. You know, like mm -hmm. Facebook mm -hmm. is the perfect, the perfect proof of this because I, you know, I, I purposely consume as little media as possible. I have a certain amount of it forced on me, uh, blah, blah, blah. But for the most part, I don't ever go looking for news. It, it finds me on Facebook primarily, or it's forced on me because of other things in my life. But yeah. that's my first <laughs> that's my first comment. Yeah. So that's the first thing I tell you is just reduce your consumption for a while because I think you'll be surprised at how quickly you come back. My second point is that we are being played. We're all mm. being played. We are being pitted against one another. That's not to suggest that the things that happen in the real world aren't actually happening, but when and again i didn't you know i didn't know what we were going to talk about today so i did no research but i just saw something uh within the last 48 hours that said of all the people arrested in kenosha or in one of the riot cities you know like 96% of them were from somewhere else mm. so you know there's all this conversation that's swirling around i'm sure you've seen it in multiple places where it's you know people are being paid to do this shit yep they are Okay, and so the end result of that is, and, and I'm sure you've seen those, like you've seen those ads. Somebody will make take a screenshot of an ad for we're paying twenty five dollars an hour to protest. You've seen those? I, I haven't seen that. Okay, I've I don't know if that's. I, I have not see. I have not seen any of that stuff. Okay, well, it Google it. You'll find it, and it and it's it's legit. So so the point is that. Uh, you know, I'm speaking from a conservative perspective. You're you're the liberal perspective, but here's the conservative perspective: is that I'm pissed off at all these fucking libtards. Well, here's the reality, Mike: the fucking libtards aren't the ones doing the stuff that's pissing you off. Ninety-nine point mm -hmm. nine percent of the time, I'm sure there's a couple of them in there that are, but the what you see in those riots, what you saw in in uh in 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 minneapolis what we what we've seen in portland what we've seen in um where was the latest place kenosha that's the one yeah. so so the point is that I, I sit on the right side of this right meaning politically right not correct on the right side of this and i'm furious at what i see in those riots i mean literally 
you, when you said that there's like envy on the part of people who wish they could be the one who could have been there to pull the trigger, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought that. I really did. I, re- I think I think everybody has been experiencing this kind of shit. Right, but my point is that I my my anger is misplaced because I'm you know in my simplistic knee jerk response I'm labeling all the people who are liberals as if they are the ones who are doing that riot, rioting in Kenosha when in mm. reality it's not and I'm and, and in Portland I believe it's the same thing I, I believe it's the same everywhere so here my view is fuck these liberals look what they're destroying our cities. We got to do something about this. But what I should be thinking is, fuck these people who are being paid to do this, and they're being paid to do it because it's there's all kinds of reasons I believe why that's going on in terms of misdirection, in terms of smokescreen, in terms of why don't you guys focus in on the race war that we're trying to incite so you don't pay as much attention to the fact that we're shredding the Constitution and the mm, fact that mm. all your rights are being taken away from you and the fact that, as you may have seen in that video, in uh, in Australia, where a woman's taken away in handcuffs because of a Facebook post in which she was telling people to resist all the shit that was happening, masks and all that. I mean, I believe you know. I don't want to. I don't even want to get off in that conversation. My point simply is that I believe all this racial division has been manufactured to create a diversion from other things. Because you know, when when I when I talk to people, I don't get anywhere near this level of anger or, you know, I mean, we've said this so many times in the podcast that I don't even want to take the time to repeat it. But the, the super short version is I live in an incredibly diverse place. You you confirm that because you used to live here. And there was no there was no tension here. There was no tension. Yeah. It was a it was wonderful. I mean, this is something I thought about actively because I really did appreciate it that much. It's like here I am at a, at a, at a health club. I got. 20% of the people here are African-American, 20% of them are Asian, another 20% is some other group of you know random ethnicities, and then the rest are white, and there's not any tension in here anywhere, and their people are talking to yeah, each it's other. It's a truly, truly diverse community. You would agree with the point I'm making, which is that you know yeah. I, I have lived my life within a context which is progressively improving race relations, and that had been consistent the totality of my life until, quite frankly, Obama, but let's skip that and just go to what's happening now, which is I believe all of this has been manufactured, and here's what terrifies me. I mean, a whole slew of things. But the main thing that I'm terrified about is the fact that we have set race relations back 40, 50 years. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I feel tension everywhere I go. We've talked about this on the podcast. You know, every time I'm anywhere near an African-American person, I'm, I'm aware of it, and that's not normal for me. I guess I want to say two things, which is that I would love to be incredulous at the idea that people aren't getting paid to protest. I feel like that's a constant that would be a constant refrain for me in a conversation like this normally. But the only reason I guess I can't do that is because the there's a lot of video evidence online now that are circulating from 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 protesters, from people who have attended protests. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me just clarify one thing and then you can go on. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying people aren't protesting legitimately. I'm talking about rioters. Yeah, I this is what I'm talking about also okay, because right. I think that it's been very weird because like there's you know there's there's a bunch of uh you know there's there's bunch of videos and some online investigations on that done you know basically crowdsourced on Reddit and things like this, different Facebook groups and like message groups and stuff where 
the, Chicago actually is a good example. So the the protest that took place right after George Floyd was killed, um, there the most incendiary things that were done during that those riots were done by one or two people. And I when I say most incendiary, I mean like the 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 famous image of the burning police car in the loop that was like right in front of the Chicago theater. That was done by one guy, and people got a lot of video and 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 uh, photographs of this guy doing it. And then they like basically were able to pat, patch together based on what this guy was wearing. They're like, "Who the fuck is this guy? Like, this guy burnt this police car. He smashed out all these windows. He like this dude was going insane, basically. And we're trying to f- find this guy. Okay, so then later there was a protest in in outside of Minneapolis, and a bunch of other protesters. Uh, found a guy dressed in all black with a big black umbrella and a I crowbar. I know exactly what you're talking about. Talking about the video where the guy walks up and just starts smashing all these windows, and some and the bunch of protesters like get between yep. this guy and the building because they're like, "What right. the fuck are you doing? Right? Like, we don't want this. Is not what we want. Like, we don't we don't want this." And this guy and they're like, "Who are you?" Like, and they're asking him all these questions, and this guy just like says nothing. He and walks then away. Walking away. Yep. Then he gets picked up in a fucking black SUV. Like, then there's people who are dropping off bricks in, like, downtown. Did oh, yeah. you see that one yes. in, like, Portland? Yeah, yeah. So there's a whole bunch of people online who are like, what the fuck is this? Because people who are on the side of legitimate protest at what they see as injustice done, you know, in the community don't want this shit either. Like, a lot of these people live in this community. Exactly. You know, they live in the communities that they're protesting in. And a lot of them don't want any of this stuff to happen. So it does feel weirdly like there's this like prurient element attempting to subversively add violence to all of these situations just to kind of exacerbate things. And the fact that you're said that just the way you just said it, because what you just said was, you know, there could be something to that idea. Whereas my view is I'm positive there is. Because again, I think that I've just been exposed to a lot more, you know, information relating to that than perhaps you have but mm-hmm. but so so I, that terrifies me because again our our fabric of our culture is being torn apart race relations are being set back decades literally decades and it's not legit it's not legit I, that's not to say that the i'm not talking about the legitimacy of the issues underlying all this i'm saying the fact that the most egregious actions that are being taken are not being taken by actual active participants in the debate. Yeah. It's yeah. being done by people who are being paid. And, and then it's like and then and then the question is who you believe that party is which is neg- you know subversively influencing all of the situation is is either Russia or Soros depending on your point of view. It's is how this starts to read. Right. Is that it's like people either everybody on the left is like this is Russia president's in the pocket of russia or it's mm, yeah, you know that's whatever and yeah. then the and then on the right it's george soros the clintons whatever political structure they've developed that is there some type type of shadow government or whatever like it seems like it seems like the stuff starts reading one of these two ways i think it's entirely this is what's shitty about this is we're living in this age in which credulity is just stretched to its breaking point because you're, you have to be like I had this conversation with my dad. Where like, I think we have to stop being incredulous at all this shit. Because 
it's impo- it, it's just true. Like there are video, there's video evidence of this shit of, of, of people. And, and you think to yourself, this can't be like, like a guy like Kyle Rittenhouse wasn't paid to go fucking shoot people. At, oh no, uh, no way. At Kenosha. No way. But a guy who's dressed in all black, who's walking around smashing things, picked up by a black SUV. Like, come on, come on, man. Like they followed that guy. Like the whole way until he gets picked up and driven away. Right. It's like what, what is going on there? He was he like, was there to do a specific job. He did it and they picked him up and he left. Yeah. It's so weird to think about that. And I, I don't it, th- I don't think it is that weird. I, I really Well, don't. it's weird for me because I I wanted to not believe that these things I think that my brain wants to not believe those things are are real possibilities. Of, exactly. Of, no, that's you've hit the you've hit the nail right on right on the head. And again, this is where I think my Age provides a you know an, a somewhat of an advantage because I I think you know it's just natural. This happens to ever to most people is that you start off life and let's say around age eighteen or so when you start not you anyone starts developing what I would call you know more adult thinking and you start thinking about the world. Like I never thought anything about politics when I was eighteen. Nothing. I had no interest in it. None. None whatsoever. Yeah. But then you know at a certain age you just start being interested because. You know, perhaps thing, issues affect you economically, you know, higher taxes, lower taxes. I'm making more money now, and I don't want to give it all to the government. You know, thoughts like that start to creep in. And then before you know it, you're drawn into the larger political conversation. But the point is, and I didn't, I'm not making it well, is that most of us are pretty idealistic when we're young. We, we don't believe that people are evil or that there's a truly evil element to human nature uh, we just don't want to believe these things because they're just not pleasant things to contemplate. We, you know, they're just mm. bad. I don't want to believe that. And the rest of your life, or rest of anyone's life, is spent having those idealistic dreams and hopes when you're young, just sort of eroded by reality. And then you just mm. get to some point. You know, I don't know what it's different for everybody, but I'm, I'm, you know, I think I'm 20 years or 10 years past it, whereas you're still approaching it which is you just get to the point where you just you, you, and there's no anger it's just a resignation it's just an acceptance of okay so this is how it really is this is how it mm-hmm. really is and there really is this evil element and it exists across the entire spectrum i'm not pointing my finger in any direction i'm just saying there's evil everywhere and so yeah, for me the, the 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 line from alexander Solzhenitsyn in the gulag archipelago is the line of the 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 line of good and evil is written across the heart of every man. Yeah, it is. We oh well, and you know, human nature. I mean, we all have evil in us. We do. If you if you don't think that, then you're very naive. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, it's just a matter of where's your line of good and evil versus somebody else's. You know, you draw the line at yeah. You know, I might run a red light every now and then, or you know, do occasional illegal things that are small, as opposed to another person whose line might be, I'll walk into a crowded theater with a submachine gun. Yep. And so, you know, and there's just the whole spectrum in between. But I have no doubt, you know, again, I would I would really encourage you to, to, to research this, that, you know, people are being paid to do this shit. You know, just as you came into this conversation with this overarching theme of my mental health is, uh, Just you know, taking a toll. Yeah, it's not great right do now. I hope I can, you know, make it better. I came into this conversation with this idea of after you know, after months of real anger, after months of like, you know, really actively being pissed off at liberals, I'm changing my tune. And I'm, Mm. I'm, I'm dead serious. And this is not knee jerk. This is not something I'm just saying in the moment. I've given real thought to this 
is that we're being destroyed and and it's it's not from us. We're mm. we're acting like it's us doing it, but it really isn't us. And the people mm. who are doing shit that pisses me off on the left are really not representative of the true left. And the people mm. that are doing shit on the right that you hate, I think many of them are probably not really representative of the real right. And yep. and and there's just you know whoever it is, you know you can you can we all believe in our different bogeymen as to who they are, but. Mm. I think I think if we can all agree, or not all of us, but you know some reasonable percentage of us can agree that hey, it isn't really us doing this shit. There's a, there's some potential common ground there. Like that- I, I I remember it's interesting because it's like the you know the the Christmas truce in the First World War is like what comes to mind. This idea that like there are, it's 1914 and. Both this, you know, soldiers, both German and British and French and Italian and people who are like kind of all on both sides of this of the Western front who have been killing each other for months and, you know, will continue. Unfortunately, will continue to do so. They like, you know, at Christmas time, they start realizing when they come out of their trenches and don't fight each other for a day that they're like, oh, it turns out I have more in common with the soldier on the other side of the trench than I do with my own officers who are you know, rich and well-heeled and don't have to actually deal with any of the consequences of the world their choices are creating around them. Right. And, and that was like a real problem in the first world. And I think that it's like, it's weird because I think, dude, if you're a, you know, if you're someone who's marching around on the streets of Portland, who's like really pissed off at like the world that you're living in and the focus of this has become, you know, defund the police the the truth is that i think if you had a re, if you sat down and had a real conversation with someone who you disagreed with you probably would come to realize that most you actually have a lot in common and the things that you don't have in common are mostly inflated issues that don't occur in your lives anyway really i agree and like and and that's what i it's like funny because i said it's weird uncle mike just to kind of put a bow on that concept a little bit one of the people i had this like super long like 4 hour long back and forth messaging with somebody from that conservative group who, you know, we broke down disagreements on Trump specifically. And I was kind of like, well, here's why I don't like him. And she was like, here's why I do like him, all this kind of stuff. And the, the thing that was fascinating to me was she listed out all this stuff about him. And I just said, look, I just, I just, I disagree. Like I, you, you, what you've just listed as evidence for why you think he's good are actually reasons that I don't think he's good. And we can disagree on that. And it was there's something funny about it where it's like once we got to that point and we just had this agreement to like, well, look, we can just agree to disagree. And we actually, by and large, agree in many other things that are pretty good. And yep. I can recognize and appreciate your I respect to the fact that you think differently than I do here. I don't think less of you for doing it. You and I just have reasonable disagreements here. Yep. And it was almost like once that happened, like the spell was broken like it was like oh oh okay that's just you're not such a bad guy yeah you're not such a bad guy you just think that when he says and does these things he means this thing and i think he means this other thing and i was like yeah that's pretty much what i think and then i guess this is what we're talking about as i think maybe we're agreeing on this point now is that there's an active element that is attempting to prevent any meaningful conversation from happening oh absolutely because because if it did it would probably mean 
reforms that are necessary w- to allow our to, you know this culture and in country to continue working positively would have to pass and that those things would prevent whatever powers that be that don't want them from passing to, to pass and then then that that's what they're preventing right i just think that there are lots of elements out there that that right or wrong with legitimate or not reasons for feeling the way that they do hate America. And mm. and I believe that, you know, there's all kind I mean, you, you could anybody could sit down and put together a list that would probably a lot of commonality on that list. You know, you might think it's Russia. I might think it's Soros. It could be, you know, China, certainly to me, China is a much more logical, uh, you know, we're, we're much more, yeah. we are much more in opposition to China at the moment than we are Russia. I mean, it's not even close. Yep. And yeah, anyway, I, I, that, that, it's interesting to me that that's not a bigger part of the conversation. Well, and and, and why do you think that is? It's because yeah. the media, yeah. the media is bought and paid for, and they're you know they're told to deliver certain narratives. I mean, right now this whole thing could be summarized as we're living through the greatest uh, exercise in world history in terms of the leveraging of narratives for very specific purposes, which are not obvious necessarily. But the narratives are obvious to me. You know, the the consistency of messaging from one news source to another, just that alone. It's like that should not be happening. You know, there shouldn't be like everybody shouldn't have the fucking same exact catchphrase on a Mm -hmm. certain day. I mean, like, that's crazy to me that that would happen. And yet it happens day after day, week after week. And very few people focus in on that. And and I don't even want to open that door. I'm just saying that the evidence is there. The evidence is all over the place that we're being fed very specific messages and Mm. you know that you have to sit back and try to discern well why would they be telling me that and generally speaking the method i use whenever i do do an analysis of that nature is well what's the opposite of this message because that's what you know they're trying to they're trying to destroy whatever the opposite message is Hmm, but that's interesting that's actually an interesting thought experiment to conduct well i'm just almost you know what that's almost that's such a good idea uncle mike that's almost worthy of a blog a news blog in and of itself is just the contrarian which is if i just take all the news from this week or this day and invert the messages what does that say about the news story yeah what does that say is really happening right exactly i'm writing that down that's actually such a good idea i feel like that in if that isn't already happening it needs to happen what i've gotten out of this conversation you know really is positive which is you know i think we agree you know you again you came into it from the perspective of my mental health is suffering i came into it from the perspective of you know i think i'm seeing everything through a slightly different lens that i think will ultimately be much more positive for me personally you know i'll have much less angst because I'm now going to try to engage with people on a different level because I've been, you know, and I admit it. In fact, I've already started writing a blog post about this and the blog post starts with something like this. Uh, Before I get to the point of this post, I want to apologize. I want to apologize to every liberal who I've ever attacked or criticized or made fun of or, or whatever. I mean, I probably lead you know, I probably lead my demographic in America for using the term libtard the most. I write yep. that word constantly. Yep. And, and 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 I'm not going to lie. Pretty much every time I've ever done that, I didn't feel good about myself. I really didn't. Mm. I thought like, mm. you know what? That's that's not who I am. That's slimy. That's low. That's I'm just, you know, I'm I'm lowering myself to the level of people that I'm I'm criticizing. And so 
Mm. And so I want to apologize to all of you out there because I just now realize lots of things that I guess I, I kind of thought, but I never really embraced. And I'm sort of embracing these things now because I've just seen so much evidence that, you know, this conclusion I'm reaching, I think is accurate, which is we're not enemies. We're really not. We're being made. We've been convinced that we are. We've been convinced yeah. that everything is now, as you said it before in the last podcast, everything's a 10. Everything is a, is a crisis. Everything is, you know, every story is a major story. Every issue is a major issue. That's not true. It isn't. And mm. so, and I think if, you know, if you really sit down, just like you referenced with this conversation you had with the person in that group where, you know, after extensive additional conversation, you came to realize you weren't that far apart and that your disagreements were honest and really probably not that radical, that I think that's where, where we really are as a nation. But trying to communicate that message right now probably will fall on deaf ears. But I'm going to try. That's what I'm going to try that. Honestly, I think that Uncle Mike, this, I couldn't, I could not have, I mean, I, you know, this is not something I thought was going to come out of this podcast, but just the idea that you know, you're, you, you feel that way, I think gives me a lot of hope actually. And, that, and that's like, what, honestly, that's what, that was going to be my punchline is that, so if a person like me who has been pretty hard edged, I mean, you know, there's been times you and I've had some pretty curt exchanges online. Yeah. You know, there've yeah. been times where I was fucking pissed. Like yeah. I'm like, curt exchanges. I'd say at some points we've had even Kevin or Todd exchanges on here. Thank God we never had a Lawrence exchange. Cause I was terrified <laughs> of that. DJ Lawrence. So I added that sound effect at some point during, during all those times uh, I interrupted you. But it. but yeah, totally I mean, it, it. I, I really do believe that, you know, if if somebody who really, I'm sure, you, you have no idea, or, or you probably do have an idea just because you know me, but how many people that I have had long time relationships with online, like I'm talking ten years, yeah, who have who have just unfriended me. It's hilarious when you see a friend recommendation of somebody that you thought you were friends with. Yeah. Hey, have you, you should be a friend with this guy. I'm like, well, I was, I don't, I guess I'm not anymore. 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of those. And I also have people who I used to exchange with. I used to have lots of discourse with online and I will frequently comment on their, on their posts and they don't even, they don't, they don't acknowledge me. They don't respond. So what that tells me is that, you know, they've made a decision, which is fuck that guy. I'm not going to deal with him. I know exactly who he is. And, you know, he's hardcore. Fuck that guy. So I want to, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to start engaging in a different way because it's just the right thing to do. There's no, there's no ultimate aim here. It's more just, I have, I'm just course correcting. I'm just trying to like, oh my gosh, I think I've been unduly harsh on people who probably weren't that different from me, but I made it worse by just the yeah. way that I engage with them. And so uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try that. I really am. I'm I, really, I really appreciate you saying that. That gives me a lot of hope because I feel like I'm kind of at this point now where I've passed the idea that I think we're in a similar place where it's like, look, this is not about two sides of a conversation. Everybody who would listen to this and is a normal person is on the, as actually on the same side of this. I think. I agree. And, and it's it's been very weird to like, I think, kind of wade through that and in what has instead and and it's a cult, this has been like an incultural development for a long time and it's reached its end point now which is like it it can't I just the the weight of this kind of political symbolic 
internal political division just cannot continue because it's like, you no. know, Slavoj Zizek talks about this as a fetish. And I think he's right, which is the definition of a fetish is a object upon which someone projects symbolic meaning. And by using that object, then takes care of the internal feelings that they that they would otherwise have to work out in their own self. So it's like, you know, a goat sacrifice is a fetish. The goat doesn't mean anything. Like, and from the goat's perspective, it's like, why the fuck are you guys doing this? You right, know what right, I mean? right. It doesn't make any sense. Right. So, the, but the truth is, like, a lot of this stuff has become this kind of weird cultural shorthand where it's like, do you support Black Lives Matter or not? And the strange thing about it is, this is the point that I was going to come to because I think this is important. I think what I realized in the past couple of weeks and, and, and maybe what you also realized, although I don't want to put words in your mouth, is that by trying to hold on to any of these fetishes or these symbolic things that you're holding on to, you can be very quickly pushed into a position to defend or support things that you actually don't defend or support. Yep. And that's the re- that's the grift. That's what um, Brett Weinstein would call the grift. He testified to Congress about the Evergreen incident, and he was like, this is a grift, and let me describe to you how it works. And that's exactly what I think is the most challenging and frustrating part of a lot of this. I think a lot of the people who are defending either of the two shooters, the guy from Portland or, or Kyle Rittenhouse, probably don't really actually – Outside of this situation and their and their their exacerbated feelings from it, if they weren't they would not be the kind of people who would defend somebody who would do something like that. If if all the things they say about them are true, just just for a second, right? As a the context the context is 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 eliciting behavior that wouldn't be there necessarily outside of that context. If you remove this from the politics of 2020, yeah, uh, and it was just a standalone incident that just happened in the middle of nothing. They yes. might have very different views. I totally agree with you. That's exactly what I mean. And I think that what hit me particularly was in the conversation with this woman from the conservative group. Uh, we were talking about the grab them by the pussy thing. And she's like, well, there's locker room talk. Don't you agree that there's locker room talk? And and I was like, look, dude, I'm 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 in agreement with like I've said shit in locker rooms that I feel that, you know, if you were to repeat it on camera and post it publicly, I would be extremely red in the face. You know what I mean? Like every every man alive has done that. There's there's no man who is absolutely so absolutely that he has not said something in a locker room to other dudes that he would regret having publicly. The point of me saying this to her was I don't want that on my president. I don't want that look on my president. I don't think I think it's representative Trump's character. Whatever. Let's leave that to the side for a second. The point of me saying this, though, was I was I said to her, I don't think and I think actually you don't want it either. I think that the thing you're arguing for is not something you actually want. I think that we're in a position where you're arguing for something that you don't want because you think that it is more important to the broader political purpose yes. that you're interested in. Oh, yeah, dude. I w- th- yes. And, and it's funny because I can confirm that personally. I can confirm you know, a number of occasions where I've taken public positions on things that I really didn't believe in. I, I will admit it. Because it was. It was for the greater political good. I can't agree with that because I support Trump. And if yeah. I and if I say that, that erodes my support of Trump. So I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna say it. I'll just sit silent. 
Well, and it's so weird because it's like I, I completely understand that because my feeling about the Clintons is the same. Like I haven't even before. And it's weird because like Bill and I um, disagree on this. He really he actually really likes Hillary Clinton. He's met Hillary Clinton. Oh, my God. And, she is just and, <laughs> that's crazy. And he's like, dude, she's one of the most intelligent people well, I've she ever may met. Be. I believe that. Yeah, I could believe that that's true. But I'm like, I haven't liked the Clintons since I read uh, parts from Hitchens is no one left to lie to. I was like, these people are fucking they will say anything to anybody. They will like they are. They're nonstop. They're they're they have no integrity. You should not allow the reins of power to get into the hands of those types of people. I agree. Now, Bill and I can have a reasonable disagreement about Hillary Clinton and how good of a president she would maybe have been. I That's fine. Reasonable people can disagree about that kind of stuff. But if I mention that shit in front of open like openly in public where people are like Hillary Clinton would have been amazing. And I'm like, maybe I don't know. You know what I mean? I really I don't I don't know. Like, I don't I don't like her. People are like, what the fuck do you like? You, you do like Trump? And I'm like, dude, nothing of what I've said about Hillary Clinton yep. has implied that I like our pre- – it's just like this – there's been this grift where it's like this wholesale, you now have to own all this shit yep. that you didn't ask to buy when you said that that statement of whatever you said. You know what I mean? Like well, you, you just have to – and it's so weird because everybody on each side of the spectrum believes that now. Right. Or another perfect illustration or example of that would be Black Lives Matter. Like, you know, I support black people. I do not support Black Lives Matter because you just go to their website and you read what their agenda is. And I get about three items into that list of things for which they stand and I'm done. It's yeah, like, well, I mean, let's give two examples there where it's like Tracy came after me. Look, and I like Tracy. I don't want to throw Tracy under the bus because he's he's a really good dude. And actually, that group is pretty great. And I've and there is a lot of really funny, genuinely funny conservative memes that people post and not like mean spirited, but just genuinely funny. I posted one the other day where it was like Gavin Newsom says state will remain under lockdown until cure for death is found. I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's so funny. Like, <laughs> I didn't see that. That is good. Yeah. And I was so it's like it's not like I don't have a sense of humor about this shit. But no, like, you do. I, the, you do. You really do. But like. The, you know, Tracy came after me because he posted some video from Twitter of like this whole group of Black Lives Matter people trying to get this woman to say Black Lives Matter. And, and, and he posted it without any like he wasn't like coming after me. I think he was just like, well, deal with this now. And I was like, dude, I disagree. This is fucked up. People shouldn't do that. I can disagree that I can I can think that there are reasonable things that people are protesting about and also disagree that this thing that these people are doing this. That's fucked up. I I don't want to see that on any side. That's wrong anywhere. We just had two people killed in Kenosha, one person killed in Portland. And admittedly, the shooting in Portland is way more bone chilling to watch because I mean, like, yeah. each of each of them are disturbing. Each of those videos is disturbing for plenty of reasons. And Sam Harris dives into this with Graham Hay in his last podcast. Let me put it this way. I can appreciate why someone can watch the Kyle Rittenhouse video and go, he's defending himself. Absolutely. I think that his potential, potentially, and the argument, if I was the prosecuting attorney, the argument I would make in court is Kyle Rittenhouse ability to say his was in self-defense went away the moment he entered a riot zone after curfew with an assault rifle that's that's the moment that again reasonable people can disagree yeah i would i would disagree but i respect your point of view 
yeah, but I can genuinely appreciate why conservatives feel they're like he's defending himself because he's fucking defending himself. It's clear that that's what's happening from the perspective of the of the people attacking him. You know, you don't right. know yep, yep. if they think that he's an active shooter and they are about to become a hero for stopping someone who just killed a guy or whatever. They don't know those things. So right. there's again, it's a it's a complete chaos. We're trying to sort through it. Reasonable people can disagree. But the f video from Portland is genuinely fucking terrifying. Like, oh, yeah. it's a guy's walking down the street, and you hear him say, hey, there's one right here. And then oh, he, yeah. And then he blasts this dude in the chest twice. And that's it. There's no violence in the sense that he wasn't running away. It was a confrontation where two people were walking toward each other. This guy, whatever his name is, said that he felt threatened. But it's like, from the video, you're like, threatened from what? A middle-aged guy? Like walking toward it's like yeah, there's no there's, defending that. At no point in my life has thing have things been at such a few fever pitch in this country, and it feels like I really hope that your change of heart and I think probably mine here, to be perfectly honest, are not a microcosm. I really hope that lots of other people who feel the same way at the moment and are willing to go, I'm letting go of my whatever my beliefs are that have pigeonholed me into the frustrations I've had until this point. I'm letting go of them in order to embrace whatever thing needs to be embraced as long as it sort of works moving forward because I don't want to live in this world like this anymore. I'm willing to help create one that doesn't look like this and behave like this. Totally agree. It's funny because I told, you know, we talked about Mike Lurvey, my friend Mike Lurvey, who had, yeah. you know, who, who's maybe one of our, maybe our most loyal listener. And he's a very measured and sophisticated politically, not politics politically, human nature politically. You know, he's very sensitive. He's very gracious. He's he's the kind of guy who would never just say, well, this is what you fucking ought to do. Yeah. <laughs> he's not that way at all. He's very subtle. So he's had lots of comments for me since, uh, since he started listening. And one of the things he shared with me recently, I know I shared with you some of the things he said, but another thing he said was that he thought that one thing that we did really well was have respectful discourse among differing opinions. You know, we discuss things, we respect each other. Sometimes we probably talk a little louder than others, but we've mm -hmm. never had a moment on this podcast where we were actually like screaming at each other yeah, or, or really had a single moment that I can recall where, where I was furious at you, not one time. So... You yeah, know. I mean, I think that it's like the, the the hallmark of this podcast in my life has become and the part of the reason I look forward to it is I'm kind of like we don't I have really the, we don't have the pressure of having to satisfy listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just the, the complete unburdened from a feeling of potential success, I would say, is the the real. Hallmark. <laughs> so, oh, my God, you love so that. Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm no, going like to murder the, that the feel. The feeling genuinely is like there. I, I look forward to. I'm like I'm. I'm actually interested to hear what my uncle thinks about this. It feels like in many other points of my political of political conversations, I leave only having either rev, you know reviewed the points I already know and believe or think are true, or dig in further yeah, on become more certain entrenched. points. Yeah, exactly. But I have a few, I, I kind of genuinely feel like a lot of the times I leave conversations here thinking we disagreed, but I actually discovered a lot of shit. And some of the things that I thought I was serious about, I've kind of moved thinking about because I'm thinking about them in a, in a different way now. Or I didn't consider these things from that angle before. Or here's some stuff I need to go look up because I actually wasn't aware that that was happening. 
And that's exactly what Mike was saying, is that he he sees us kind of doing that sort of thing, actually having a conversation. You know, we're not just we're not just coming in and throwing a series of punches at one another. We're actually yeah. having a conversation. And his point was, you guys do that well, but I think you need to do more of it. Mm. You know, and, and like this conversation, you know, I didn't tell you that in advance. I, I just told you that for the first time right now. You didn't know it. So that this just, mm. in my opinion, this podcast is the best example of that we've done yet. Because yeah, I think so. Because organically, we sort of we came in from again. I've, I'm sorry, I've said this like three times now, but we came in from really different places. But really, we came in with the exact same kind of desire, which is mm. you wanted some sanity, and I wanted to sort of change my ways to maybe have a more effective conversations with people and maybe set an example, you know, maybe set an example of, hey, you know what? Everybody knows where I lean politically. That's obvious. Anybody knows me at all. But I'm going to try to soften myself down a bit. I'm going to I'm going to listen better. I'm not going to be as as confrontational or as dismissive. And, you know, I think that I've always kind of scoffed at the idea that, you know, I, I lots of idealistic people have, which, well, change starts with me. You know, I'm like, I just want to <laughs> laugh. And like, are you, are you that fucking naive, dude? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's nice that you can do what you can do. But if you oh, think you're so going to, if you think your butterfly effect is going to be the one that changes the world, you, you know, yeah. you're a little naive. But maybe I've somehow moved past that to the point where, yeah, even if that's still true in my mind that, you know, what difference am I really going to make? Probably not much, but still, it's something I can do. And my guess is I will affect at least one person, maybe two. And, you know, and maybe in the grand scheme, it doesn't amount to anything. But at at a minimum, I'll probably feel better about myself. I'll sleep better. I'll have a little bit less angst. And also, rather than throwing more gas on the fire, Mm. I'll, I'll be doing, I'll be trying to do the opposite. And, you know, you, you we, none of us really know, truly, none of us really know how much of an impact we have on anyone. You know, it's like I've it's seen some, I've seen some some I don't know, some stats somewhere that say, like, you know, for every 10 people who would like a post that you might make on Facebook, there's another hundred that thought about liking it, but didn't. But they did like it. They yeah. just didn't. They, they didn't like want to it. publicly commit to the. Yes. <laughs> to, yeah. Yes. No, I'm being serious. And yeah. then, you know, and then there's maybe another 500 that generally had a good feeling about it, but, you know, not, you know, it was more positive than negative. My point is, we just don't know how much we influence people. And, and this, and especially if, you know, sometimes I think the most impact you can have on people is when you do make a reversal of position. You know what I mean, you weren't like milk toast to begin with, like you were fucking a militant. And now you're not a militant. <laughs> yeah. Now that's more applicable to me than it is to you. But still, the point remains. This is great, man. I feel like uh, I actually feel, you know, I feel at the risk of sounding too much like a libtard. I feel nourished by this podcast. I feel nourished. I've never heard it's that like pronunciation. <laughs> I feel nourished. That was like a real living in Boulder, Colorado. That's how you knew that's you how were they talking said about it. a real crunchy so, so uh, just leave your money on the dresser as you normally do. <laughs> just uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out and same time next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you wouldn't mind cleaning that mess up just a little. 
There's a towel right there. That's a fresh towel. Go ahead. <laughs> oh boy. All right. We should wrap it up. Actually, I think we've 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 shot the bolt here. We have, and uh, this has been you know interesting because I again we say this every show. I had no idea what we're going to talk about. I, you know, no clue. I've enjoyed this conversation. I think it's been one of our most productive, just on a you know in, on an interpersonal level, you know, and just me and you actually as individuals in our relationship. Like, I think that this was just a one I'll probably look back on very fondly. Yeah, um, glad we got it on, uh, got it recorded. Oh, I think shit, I never hit record. <laughs> oh, no, did you? Did you? <laughs> ah! Well, lucky for you, I've also got gotcha! it Gotcha! <laughs> I've created a monster! Yeah, well, I'm going to add about five more effects. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, like, a submarine diving and, you know, a crowd booing and crickets and what I actually wait I have crickets I oh, have man. crickets all right, all right hold on at the end of this crickets will cricket oh, yeah crickets that'll be our sign off crickets ruthless they will be ruthless before this before we sign off I'm gonna recommend two movies to you and the listeners if you haven't seen them already one is the movie Greyhound uh, with Tom Hanks I think I talked about that a little bit previously I watched it again recently it holds up man it's so good it's a really really good movie never heard of never heard of it what is it's it it's on about? Apple TV so unfortunately, another streaming service that you're gonna have to go check out, but it's fantastic. It's really well done. It's about a uh, Tom Hanks plays the captain of a destroyer in the Second World War that is escorting a convoy across the Atlantic Ocean, and they are being hunted by a German wolf pack of U-boats. Ooh, that sounds good. The other one that I want to recommend, and I think particularly you would like this. I think so. Greyhound is great, just escapist film. It's really good. It's fun to watch. Well done. Lots of great action sequences. Pretty interesting. But the second one is Motherless Brooklyn, which stars Edward Norton. It is extremely well done. It is. Uh, I watched it the other day, and it's unlike any other movie that's come out recently. It's super. Fa- it's so interesting. So Edward Nor- Norton based it on a book. Of the same name, I think. And he wrote it, he directed it, and he produced it, and he stars in it. So, I mean, talk about a ton of work. And this dude, he plays a, in 19, it takes place in 1950, he plays a detective who, uh, like a private investigator. Who has Tourette's? Yeah, who has Tourette's. (laughs) He's investigating the murder of his boss and why that happened. And it just uncovers all of these really fascinating, actually historically accurate things about New York in the 1950s. Hmm. And I think he is just one of the most gifted actors of all time. I've been a fan of his for pretty much ever. Oh, yeah. Um, he's just a, he's just a like I thought, Fight Club, just a phenomenal movie, in my opinion. Dude, fantastic. And then I mean, uh, he- what was the other one, the one where he was a Nazi skinhead? Something American, History, a- X. American History X. That was a great movie. Yeah, I mean, so good. Yeah, he's he's just a really great actor. So those are my recommendations for you to check out. Cool. Well, I appreciate those recommendations. And again, uh, I enjoyed this conversation, and we'll just hear one more of these. <laughs> and we're out. So thanks everybody for listening. We hope we hope that uh, our our mutual self therapy session was somehow germane to your situation, Jermaine <laughs> Tito or Michael, whichever your favorite, Jackson. <laughs> And we'll look forward to seeing you on uh, the next uh, the next uh, episode of Unk. You. Yay.